Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Cy Brown, coming at you. We are full swing into this high, holy season, and you know what we're doing today. Today is our weekly Ecclesia Bible study, hosted by my man, Dewan Colion, down in the ATL. He's in Atlanta, I'm in New York, and all the listeners are in between. So I'm so happy to uh, come to you today just to bring this great Bible study Today we are talking just about this whole Easter season um, and and how it relates to Passover and Easter and clothes. Well, we actually this is a part two because we talked about that last week, just about the whole concept of Easter clothes and what in the world does a bunny if any, have to do with um, Easter, if anything. And I did learn that the whole rabbit concept is just about fertility, which I totally wasn't getting, but, you know, that's that's what we arrived at and, uh, you know, kind of came to a consensus here on the show. But even uh, bigger than all that, I'm just excited to have everybody joining us today. Before we jump right into today's Ecclesia Bible study, I want to just ask you all, if you can, if you're on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash I'm looking at the chat room, I'm sorry, forward slash life remixed, L-I-F-E-R-E-M-I-X-E-D. And then also, if you can, feel free to follow my blog, www.cybrown.com, so you can see all of the cool and fun stuff that I'm doing. I have a couple of speaking engagements coming up, so that's really good. And big shout-out to everybody who's listening, everybody who's on my list. The cool thing is my son just called me. And uh, I said, well, what are you doing? You know, he's he's away at school, and uh, actually I'm going to see him today. And I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, but I don't. You're taking me to church. Ah, be quiet. You do what your parents tell you to do. But it's all good. Big shout out to everybody who's listening. I see we have some guests in the chat room. Please feel free to just join in and chat. You know, as you see fit. Just one more quick programming note before we jump right into today's show. Um, For all of you who were listening to the show on Wednesday when I was talking about um, greening, the tips that I shared I did post on my blog on how to go green for less than $100, just all the different ways that you can kind of green your home. And it's, it's really more than just changing your light bulbs and uh, recycling. There's a whole host of, of ways you can go green, so, so that's the beautiful thing. But on that note, we're getting ready to jump right into today's Bible study. Thank you all for listening. And we are talking about Christ in this Passover season. And Dewan is joined us right now on the line, so we're going to bring him right in. What's up, my brother? How are you today? What's going on? I oh. am happy to have you here with us today. I didn't come in like I normally come in. I'm supposed to be like, yeah. Okay, let's start that over. Okay, yeah, rewind. <laughs> the backspin. Hey, everybody, we're now joined by my buddy, Dewan Colion, who's down in Atlanta. D, are you with us? Yeah. That's how we start our Thursday show. Uh, we have some guests listening in, so for those people who may not be familiar with who you are, please let us know. And in the meantime, I'm going to be putting your blog in the chat room, and we will get this Bible study started right now. Um, I'm Dewan Coleon. Um got a background in media. You can check me out at club981lounge.com. Um, we do 
syndicated radio stay, uh, radio show um, focused on rhythm and praise music. It's more of a virtual club type atmosphere, social social sites. You can check that out. Um, and in my background, as far as uh, the whole church thing, I used to be a church crackhead, right. meaning basically someone that was addicted and obsessed with church to the point to um, I exhausted every religious means to try to come into the knowledge of a relationship with Christ. So once, you know, God took me through a whole season of uh, just coming out of that matrix and getting unplugged from a religious system to being into uh, a, a position of relationship. So I've been doing this uh, Bible study for a while and just trying to as uh, like Neo in the movie, try to unplug as many people as possible from a religious system and take them into a relationship uh, position. Well, that's definitely what we're here for. Last week, uh, when we kind of started talking about the whole, this, this high holy season, um, we got into Passover, and should Christians celebrate Passover? What's the deal with Passover? And you got in, you, you, you walked us into some pretty heavy stuff. You walked us through how time actually starts in the evening and people have it set at midnight and then segued into how um, Jesus sat and, and had the, the supper and all. So can we pick up the show from there? Okay. Um, I have my Bible. Oh, you got your Bible? You got your sword? Yep, I got my Bible, so I'm ready. I'll be ready to put scriptures and everything else in the chat room. Okay, basically to sum up in like 30 seconds what we did last week, what we were trying to do was start a journey because this Sunday is quote-unquote Easter, which is the national recognized holiday that people celebrate Easter. And we got to understand there's a, a, a difference between Easter, Resurrection Sunday, as church people now call it, and then you have the uh, traditional Jewish feast that's been going on for thousands of years, uh, Passover. So what we tried to do last week is show, you know, compare and contrast and figure out, you know, what is the significance of this season uh, by looking at all three um, celebrations. And first, we looked at Easter and we went and looked at the origins of Easter and discovered that Easter Easter is really a pagan holiday. It doesn't have anything to do with Christ at all. The symbologies of the the, the rabbit and the egg are, are have more to do with fertility, and it goes all the way back to Babylon, all the way back to Nimrod and Samaritus, and these are you know pagan idols of gods, and it's a whole uh, worship system that's based around. Um, Paganism, and even in this country in America, they never recognized "quote unquote" Easter until after the Civil War because they knew that its historical origins. And then what you saw was a movement that started back in 325 A.D., where you know the Roman Catholic Church at the Council of Nicaea, started by Constantine, and about 300 bishops came together, and they found ways to try to merge secular society and Christianity. So they, you know, Christian themes were merged with pagan themes so everybody could get along, feel good, diversity. So they took, you know, Christianity's theme of Jesus, you know, death, burial, resurrection, and fit it in the box of um, Easter with the eggs and rabbits and so everybody can hold hands and get along. But 
that's not biblically accurate. It's not something we should do. We shouldn't mix the holy and the profane. We shouldn't also in the scripture to say you shouldn't mix seeds. So we we were able to, you know, expose Easter for what it was. Then we went into the whole idea which is what we're gonna really hope to accomplish today is look at the context of why Christians celebrate Resurrection Sunday versus uh, looking at it from a, the Passover perspective. So um, before I get into the whole Passover, I guess what you wanted to really cover was the time frame of these events and when they happened? Yes, yes please. Okay. Um, when you open up your Bibles, and I would start in uh, Luke chapter 22. Hold on. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke, okay, Luke 22. I'm putting this in the chat room. Luke 22. To understand, you know, Resurrection Sunday and what does this mean, you got to look at what happened, the context of the events. And Passover was the feast or the holy day that was going on during the week of Jesus' betrayal, death, burial, and resurrection. That's the backdrop. That's the context for these events. They weren't some... It wasn't some arbitrary Sunday or Saturday or Good Friday or whatever. No, this was a specific time frame. Because when you read the entire book of Luke, well, not book, but chapter 22, it starts off and it says if you have a Young's literal translation or anything other than King James, if you look in some other translations, because King James leaves out the word Passover, but if you look in a Young's literal translation, in verse 1, it says, you know, the feast of the unleavened food was coming nigh. That is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they may take him up. And they were afraid of the people because the, the priests were conspiring to see how they could, you know, arrest Jesus, take him, kill him. But they knew during this time of Passover, everybody was coming to Jerusalem. Everybody, all the Jews all over the world were required to come back to Jerusalem and, you know, break bread and, and remember the Passover. And basically in about 15 seconds, Passover is basically the celebration of where God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and the plague, through many plagues, and they went from being slaves to freedom. And they one of the key, the last plague, the tenth plague, is when they had to put the blood of the Lamb they had to put it on the on the doorpost at the top and on the left and the right side so that the death angel, when it came through Egypt, would pass them over. And that's why it's called Passover. Now, the significance in that for Christians is that Christ is looked at as our Messiah, our sacrificial lamb. And his blood that was shed on Calvary was what took us from the bondage of the slavery of sin and moved us into eternal priesthood and spiritual freedom. So as we look at the time frame and these events, you've got to understand um, the culture and the context because okay. when, when people say it's Good Friday and Jesus rose on Sunday, they're, they're misinformed or, uh, or because you've got to understand, if I come to you and say, hey, Cy Brown, I want you to... I go out there and measure me uh, 20 meters, and uh, at 20 at the 20 meter mark, you're gonna find you can dig right there. You're gonna find 
buried treasure. But if you go out there and measure using feet, you're going to be off significantly from that mark, and you'll go dig down and you won't find anything. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the time that's used in the Bible, when they say days, they're not on the Gregorian calendar. They're not using our calendar. They're not using the Western calendar. God, from the beginning um, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, set the time. If you go to if you go to Genesis one and five. Hold on, hold on. Genesis one and five. Well, that's early. That's in the beginning, right there. Genesis one and five. Okay, I'm I'm there. Okay, you can read it. Okay, um, I'm reading from the book of Genesis, chapter one, verse five. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, in the pre previous verse, it says that darkness was on the face of the earth. And then God said, let there be light in verse 3. The reason why I'm explaining this is because you have to understand the concept of time that God uses. And this is the, this is the time that the Hebrew people, the Jewish people keep. God doesn't start his day at 12 o'clock midnight like we do. And when you look at scriptures, God starts the day at sundown. So today is Thursday. Friday would start, according to God, at 6 or 7 o'clock, whatever sundown is in your city. That's when Friday starts. Friday night starts this evening, not at 12 o'clock midnight. So when you – it's very important to understand this because the entire Bible was written by Jews. Everybody who wrote the Bible was Jewish. Everybody that contributed to it was Jewish. The the stories and the context of the stories was from a Jewish perspective. The parables that Jesus preached were parables that Jewish people would understand. So when when God is talking about the time of when these events happen, you have to you just like you would have to go get uh, a way to convert meters into feet and vice versa. When you study the scriptures, you got to convert the time measurement so that you can be accurate to understand what's going on. And then you have to convert over to Jewish culture to understand the perspective because America didn't exist back then. So they're not telling these stories from an American's perspective. They're telling the story from a Jewish perspective. So when you go to Luke chapter 22, they're talking about the Passover week. And the Jewish calendar or God told them to keep the days based on the evenings. Um, if you go to Leviticus 23.5. Hold on, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus what, D? 23.5. 23.5? Correct. Okay, let me just put that in the chat room. One moment, please. Leviticus 23.5. Uh, Leviticus 23.5. Would you like me to read it? Yes, honey. <laughs> As I stand up. <laughs> Uh, Leviticus 23.5, the Lord's pass, wow, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. Whoa. And in my translation, um, Young's Little Translation, it says the first month of the the 14th day between the evenings, because God counts his day from evening to evening, just like Jewish people go from sundown to sundown so that they keep time different and their their calendar and their time is based on a lunar uh calendar which is based on 
the moon cycles and the cycles of the moon, which don't change, they're the same every year, and it takes into account the cycles of the moon, the earth rotation, and earth's rotation around the sun. So their months may be 29, 30, or 31 days. Their year may be 12 months or 13 months. But when they say Passover is, the like when God said in the first month, Passover is going to be on the 14th of the month, then mm-hmm. it's the same every year based on a, a lunar calendar, whereas our calendar changes, you know, from, you know, from Christmas or whatever, Easter is going to be on a different day every year because our calendar is, is set up entirely different. Our calendar is takes more into account uh, solar cycles of the sun because, you know, everybody believes in sun worship, so they want to keep everything around the sun. So you see from the very beginning, God had has established um, the time frame for the Passover or when it starts. So what we hope today to be a, When you get a chance. So go ahead. You got a question? Yeah, quick question. Because, all right, if, you, if this is saying that the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month, that means what's the first month? Well, the first month on the Jewish calendar, they call it Nisan, which is our April. So every year in April, they begin the first month of their liturgical or spiritual calendar. So they're in their first month, whereas on our calendar, it's our, what, fourth month. Okay, so if that's the case, the Lord's Passover begins at twilight, which we know would be evening, on the 14th day of the first month. Wouldn't that make it April 14th, which is Tuesday? Um, well, no, that's, no, because their calendars don't go by our days. Oh, I mean, okay. it, I mean, it's the 14th day of the month based on their calendar when it starts. Now, if you translate it to our day, um, you know, today is what, April 9th? Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's, you know, that would, that would equal out to be the 14th day of Nissan on their calendar. Okay. All right, I get it. Could you hold on one second, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, while he um, just is taking a quick break, just wanted to say hello to everyone. Mama Smokey, hi, baby doll, hospitality diva, Sandy. Um, Sandy, I got Sandy just put in the chat room to have the one pray for her and her staff at work. One of our coworkers killed himself. Y'all be taking me for a loop with this news sometimes. Uh, I will let him know, but I, I did put in the chat room that I didn't want to interrupt Dewan during the Bible study because his head is in one particular um, place, and that would definitely, uh, you know, take him to a different place. So anyway, I will let him know. And then LaVon just put... Um, in the chat room, just wanted to come by and say hello. Everyone be blessed. I can't hear the show, but I will catch the archives. Uh, so I talked with her actually this morning. She's in Pittsburgh, and she's doing really well. Um, let's see. Uh, Mama Smokey put, heard of your tragedy, just the beginning of things like this. Yeah, there's a lot of people killing themselves, shooting, you know, buying guns and shooting people, then shooting themselves. Um, you know, I don't want to say ignorance is bliss, but a lot of people are just lost right now. So, you know, we'll just keep them in prayer, and we'll definitely share a prayer at the end of today's show. All right. 
Had to switch phones out on you. It's all good. Okay. I'll share with you what's going on at the end of the show, but go ahead. So the last question you said is is trying to convert the calendars over to our calendar. So this year, if you're looking at, you know, our calendar, Passover started um, on our April 8th in the evening, uh, yesterday evening, and it's going to the first day of Passover, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is from yesterday evening all the way to this evening. It's the first day of the of the celebration, the eight-day celebration. Right. So it started yesterday, and it's only one day? No, it's eight days. So the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is the whole eight days? Well, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the way it works is that Passover starts that evening, and I'm going to tie this into the to the story of Christ. Okay. Um, I'm going to be quiet now. You do your thing. <laughs> now, if you go down, if you go, if you still, if you still got Luke 22 open. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, look at verse 13 and read 13 through 16. All right, Luke 22, 13 to 16. Uh, They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Okay. I don't get it. Now, this is what I'm tying in as far as time frame. We already saw at the beginning of chapter 22, and then we went back to Leviticus, that this is a a feast that happens every year, and the Jews come to Jerusalem every year to celebrate this feast. So what you just read, basically, Christ had told someone to go ahead to Jerusalem. There was an upper room, a chamber that was reserved for him and his disciples to eat Passover. We've all seen that picture where the disciples and Christ are sitting there, and they're eating we we call it the Last Supper, but really it's Passover meal because you just read it. It's the Passover. So they're eating the oh, wow. Passover. It's at night, which would have been, you know, yesterday or it would have been yesterday evening mm-hmm. as far as if you're following the calendar of the Passover week of what's going on. So that evening started Passover and Christ was there with his disciples breaking bread and he, you know, gets betrayed by Judas. Judas leaves out to go start the whole chain of events that leads to his crucifixion. But Passover would have started uh, yesterday evening. Hello? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm listening. I'm listening, oh, okay. yes. No, I thought I'm you had a question. No, no, no. You know, I'm t- I have tons of questions, but I'm listening. I want to understand. I'm listening. Okay, so um, when you look at verse uh, 15... He says that he desires to eat the Passover before his suffering because he knew he was going to be going to the cross the next day, mm-hmm. which which is actually, if you want to correlate with time, would be would be today. Because when you look at the chain of events that happened, okay, Jesus broke bread, he had Passover dinner that evening, then they go, he goes out into. Um, the Mount of Olives to pray, 
or they say, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. And then Judas comes back with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they arrest him. Now, before that happened, you got to look at the fact that Christ had told Peter at the dinner, at the Passover dinner, you know, Peter said, you know, Christ said, one of you all is going to betray me. He said, mm-hmm. Peter was like, well, no, I'm not going to betray you. And then Christ said in verse 26, Matthew 26, 34, you don't necessarily have to go there. Okay. But Christ said, verily I say to thee that before this night, before the cock crows, three times you will deny me. And we all know that, um, you know, a cock or a rooster, they always crow at dawn. So yeah. when you look at the story, Judas comes up with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They betray Christ. They arrest him. It's still nighttime. They take him back on trial before the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they go through this whole process. They hit them. They slap them. They they do all these things. And before the evening, uh, before the morning, the dawn had occurred. Jesus had already been arrested. And then the you know the crow, the rooster crows three times, and Peter has denied him three times in that course of events. And then as as daybreak breaks, which would have been if you're trying to equate the time to today, which would have been this morning, he Christ was on his way to be sent before. Um, Pontius Pilate, the Roman, you know, uh, ruler of that of that region, to be, as far as the Pharisees and Sadducees concerned, they were trying to get him killed, get him crucified, and the only person that had that power to do that was uh, uh, Pilate of Rome. So, during all during this morning, if you're trying to equate the time, Christ was before Pilate and going through the whole process of um, the trial, and you know, they they asking him, you know you know, is he the king, is he the Messiah, and, you know, trying to find if he's guilty or innocent. So are you straight as far as, you know, trying to correlate the time? So quick question. So if that's the case, the Passover was at night. During the course of the night is when he was captured, right? Correct. Okay, so then the trial took place in theory when? This morning? Well, it started immediately sometime during the night because, remember, they came to him with torches and Christ, like, he said, you know, I've been with you all all during the day, and then you all come out and try to arrest me at, at night. So immediately when they came and got him out the uh, the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, you know, they took him back, you know, because the temple was not far from there. They took him back and immediately started, you know, putting him on trial before, you know, you know, the local, you know, uh, priests and the Pharisees and Sadducees in that era. Okay, so now, all right, boom. So we have Passover. So when was he crucified? Would that be today? Yes, that was the next point I was going to make when you follow in the story. Okay, so if you go um, to Luke chapter 23, because it, it continues the story. Okay, hold on one second. I'm just writing this stuff down in my own notes. So if he's crucified today, that's a Thursday. That's not Good Friday. Right. Now, the caveat to this, I'll explain that in a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. Luke 23. I'm sorry. If you go to Luke 23, and Mm -hmm. I guess you could start reading at verse 12, 
Okay, hold on one second. Luke 23, verse 12. Luke 23, verse 12. Okay. And read down to verse 18. Okay, so this has to do with past. I'm just making a note in my Bible. Okay, I'm re- let me just put in the chat room very quickly. I'm sorry. Hold on. Luke 23, 12 through 18. Okay, so now I'm reading from the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 12 to 18. That day, that day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him, then release him. And then in chapter 18, it says, With one voice they cried out, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Now, now, now I'm confused again. Well, if you go back up, what what you got to understand is that it's customary for Passover. Every time they started the Passover holiday, you know, Herod said, "Hey, I all they always would release Rome would always release a Jewish prisoner on Passover." That's what he said in verse, um, I believe it was. Uh, Verse 17. In, in, in Luke 23, it's still in verse 17? Yes. Okay, 15, 16. Just I read 17. You know what? I'm bugging. Maybe it's me. My Bible doesn't have a 17. It goes from 16 to 18. <laughs> I'm missing something. I've got the NIV Bible. What does your oh. verse 17 say? Oh, yeah. The NIV is not that good. That's not good, really. Yeah, I wouldn't I advise anybody to read it. that translation because that's... You know, you got to understand certain translations strategically leave out certain things to kind of hide the truth. Oh, my God. I've never seen this before. It goes from Luke 23, 16, and then it goes to 18. Yeah, because verse 17 oh is goodness. critical to the story that we're telling today because it says, for it was oh, necessary for him to release to them one at every feast, and this was the Passover feast, and it was Passover, so... Therefore, they had a choice. They could, they could choose Barabbas or Christ or Jesus. And we we know the story. They chose Barabbas, so they released Barabbas on Passover, and they sent Christ uh, to be crucified. And that's an important. I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to take our Bible study in a different direction. I am so totally bugging right now that my Bible is missing verse 17, and that's a very critical verse. Of this chapter and of this study, it's just not there. Wow, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. While while you continue, I'm going to get my other Bible because I have an NIV, and uh, this one is an NIV too. All right, that's not going to work. All right, I just got my uh, Aramaic Bible. Okay, I have an Aramaic translation Bible. Man, I can't believe this. Let me just go very quickly. And read what it says in my Aramaic. Yeah, okay. And we're reading from Luke. I'm sorry. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke, 
Sorry, everybody. Okay, Luke 23. Luke 23. Okay, boom. Okay, it has a 17 in it. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to read again, the, if you don't mind, 12 to 18. And I'm currently reading from Lambda's Aramaic translation of the Bible. So Luke chapter 23, verse 12 to 18. And, the day, and that day Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for there had been a longstanding enemy, enmity between them. Then Pilate called the high priest and the leaders of the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as if he were misleading your people. And behold, I have examined him before your own eyes, and I have found no fault in him concerning all that you accused him, nor even has Herod. For I sent him to him, and behold, he has done nothing worthy of death. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Verse 17 says, For there was a custom to release to them one at the feast. Verse 18, but all the people cried out, saying, get rid of him and release to us Baraba. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, when you continue to just look at the rest of the chapter, you see immediately after that, um, they took Jesus and they, you know, to be crucified. They got Simon the Syrian the black the black man they had him carry his cross because he had been severely beaten before they had got to this point before they had gotten to the trial point to right. carry the cross because you got to understand back in verse 22 i mean not verse 22 uh chapter 22 of luke the jews the priests the pharisees and the sadducees had already conspired this moment and they knew they wanted him crucified and off the cross by sundown Passover because they had to perform Passover. They had to go into the to the temple and slaughter the lamb and do all everything in detail. And they couldn't defile themselves by having people hanging on a cross. That's why it was so important. You know, you remember from the story that they had to get the prisoners, the other two uh, criminals who was on the cross and Christ off the cross before sundown because that would have started. You know, the next day of Passover. Oh wow! Okay. Which would make that today. So today is the day of, it, it, according to Jewish customs, of the crucifixion. And then at that point, they had to get all three of them down off the cross before the sun started to go down. Correct. Because that would have started the next day of Passover. And so you got to think about it using just common sense and time. One of the one of the critical signs in this whole time frame is when Christ, you know, he told everyone that if you want to know if I'm the Messiah, if you want to know um, if if I'm the one that they're talking about, the sign is going to be I'm going to be just like Jonah was. I'm going to be in, in it says in Matthew, if you could turn to Matthew 12, 40, because it's better to read it. Okay, hold on one second. Matthew what? I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 12, verse 40. Matthew 12. Let me put that in the chat room very quickly. Matthew 12:40. Okay, Matthew 12:40 says, For as Jonah was in the whale's belly three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Wow. So you got to, now when Christ said that, because that's in red, He's giving you time of 
to tell if I'm the Messiah because everybody's hyped. They're all excited. It's Easter, Jesus rose from the dead, resurrection Sunday, all that. But the importance, the Passover gives the importance of it because you got to understand why Christ was being crucified. The priests were actually performing Passover in the temple. While they were killing a lamb and slaughtering a lamb and and Christ's blood was being shed because he was the lamb on the cross at the same time because he always fulfilled all the feasts. He always fulfilled the word because he was the word. And that's why, they, you know, they hated him so much because they could only teach it, but he would he would actually live it. Okay. Now, if you go to Matthew 26, verse 61, Christ gives us another clue of the time frame. Okay, hold on. Matthew 26. Verse, I'm there. Verse 61. Okay, hold on very quickly. Matthew 26, 61. Just putting this in the chat room so people can follow. 26, 61. Okay. And said, this man says, I can tear down the temple of God and build it in three days. Now, it says in my version, it says, and this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple and build it in three days. This is Christ saying, you know, they had said, they asked him who he was, and he said, well, if you destroy my temple, I'm able I'm able to, to build it back, and, in, and I, I will raise it in three days. He's talking about himself, and they, was, they thought that they were talking about the literal temple in Jerusalem. But the key is, he said, it will be built back in three days. So if you just look at what people have told us that, you know, Christ was crucified on Friday, Good Friday, and resurrected on Sunday, even by our time standards, that's not three days and three nights. Because in Matthew twelve forty, he clearly said three days and three nights. So what you have to do is say, okay, put a marker on Sunday because that's the first day anybody actually saw Christ, the, you know, they came to the tomb and he wasn't there. The stones rolled away, and then he showed up, and they saw him. And then everybody says the preacher, "Oh, it's Resurrection Sunday," but you got to understand to get the time frame, you have to count back three days and three nights, and then you'll know exactly when this occurred. Because mm-hmm. the significance of Sunday, the most important thing about Sunday during the Passover feast, the first day of the week during Passover week is called the uh, the Feast of First Fruits. Right, that's in, the, um, that's in, that's in, uh, uh, Luke, right? I believe so. Okay. I just was reading that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw off your thought. I was just reading the Feast of First Fruits. And basically the significance is that the priest would go into the temple and wave the first fruits before God on that Sunday after mm-hmm. Passover. Now, the the, the coincidence is that we know Christ was the first fruits of the dead. He was the first person to raise back from the dead. So the fact that they see him on that Sunday, he's fulfilling that particular part of Passover. But if you count the days, three days and three nights, using the time frame in which God gave us, then you, you you're going to look at it this way. If if Sunday evening, I will okay Saturday evening that would have started. Um, that's a that starts Sunday, according to the Jewish calendar, correct? Mhm, mhm. 
Okay, so that's a night because God said in Genesis he goes from night to day. Mhm. So that's that's one that would be one night. If you if you want to start back from there. Mhm. Then if you go back, you'd have to go back 3 days and 3 nights. The way the most Jewish historians have pinpointed, especially the people who are were Jews that were transferred over to being Christians, Wednesday on the Jewish calendar would have, would have been the day actually he would have been crucified. This year our days don't exactly line up because if you go okay. three days and three nights, you'll end up on Saturday. probably Sunday. But if you say, okay, Jesus was crucified on Wednesday afternoon because they said they had to take him down to cross before evening because that would start the next day because the next day would be Thursday. That night on Wednesday night, that would be Thursday night, which would be the first day that Christ was buried in the tomb. Okay. So then you go through all of Thursday, and then Thursday night starts Friday according to the Jewish calendar. That's two nights. So where do we get three? Okay, so now I'm really going to throw a monkey wrench into this. So then where do we get the three days and three nights from if it really is not three? Is, oh, it is three. Say, it is. That's why we're going through the oh, days. It okay. is three. Okay. It's just it's impossible to fit those three days and three nights if you say Christ was crucified on Friday, on Good Friday, and resurrected on Sundays. You can't even make it work with our time frame. So with any time frame based on the Bible, our our calculations and celebration is wrong, and we worked it in to fit our convenience. Yeah, we worked it in to fit the, oh, the, Easter, wow. the Easter celebration. Wow. And that's now being adopted as law. Yeah, because it's it's always been like that since 325 A.D., and then once, you know, even in this country, after the Civil War, they really um, changed the time and really start recognizing it as, you know, I believe the first or second Sunday uh, in April. But it doesn't coincide with the events because we clearly saw so far in looking at the events that what happened, Christ was clearly crucified on Passover. You see the scriptures, you see what happened. So it took place during the Passover week, and Christ fulfilled all the events of Passover. Right. The only thing that 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 leaves me a little unsettled is the fact that we've adopted a practice that is not biblically sound, and that same practice is now being practiced from the pulpit. Well, uh, it's like I said from the beginning. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Well, no, you're you're right. I think from the beginning, what unfortunately has happened. We have been, when you uh, realize that you're saved, you are adopted into Christ and his heritage and his family and his history, which is a Jewish heritage, a Jewish history, Jewish family. The unfortunate thing is um, is that we don't teach the entire truth or the entire picture because if you're being adopted, if you go out and go adopt a son or a daughter, they're going to have to know your family. They're going to have to know your customs, your traditions, in order to fit in, in order to mess, to even understand 
where you're coming from when you talk and when you communicate if they want to be able to be a part of your family. And the unfortunate thing from a Western mindset is that we totally disregard anything Jewish or any of the, any of the Jewish obvious references in Scripture. We, we don't look at it from their perspective or in their context. We try to put it in a Western time, uh, context or frame, and a lot of times why we don't understand. A lot of people don't say, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand that parable. I don't understand the book of Revelation. Well, the book of Revelation is written deeply in Jewish allegory and symbols. And when you look at those symbols, a lot of them are uh, some of the same things you would see in the tabernacle in the Old Covenant. But if you're not looking at it from a Jewish reference point or frame of mind, because when John wrote the letters uh, from the island of Patmos, when Paul was writing these letters, they're writing in the Jewish people. They understand what they're talking about. So that's why it's important. You have to look at the history, the culture, and the context to fully understand. Then you got to understand how the Bible is broken down. The Bible is broken down to the Old and New Testament. And we know a testament is a testimony of a witness. And we've been called to be witnesses. In the Bible, it says that the, the word is established from the, in the mouth of two or more witnesses. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have Jewish people, they were the ones that were given the oracles of God. They were given uh, something that we Gentiles didn't know. So it's, it was important. They have one part of the clue. They have one um, part of the witness. So we come in under the dispensation or the time frame of grace, and we have the other part of the witness. So now you have the truth that's established in, you know, more than one witness. Uh, if you want to look at Romans 3, 2, it, you know, that's the New Testament. That's Paul preaching, but he's still not disregarding any of the Jewish traditions or heritage because he says in Romans 3, 2, you know, they the, the Jews were given the oracles of God, which doesn't change. We know God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you have to know these things. Then when we looked in, in Luke 22, the last thing, one of the last things Jesus said at the the, the Passover, or what some people call the Last Supper, but he said at the Passover, I'm not going to drink this wine, the fruit of the vine, again until I come back. So that's telling you, you know, you don't, if you don't want to recognize, you know, some of these feasts or at least study them to understand where Christ is coming from, when he comes back, he's still going to institute it because, Christ, you know, God made these things eternal, you know, institutions, things that will continue on. So it, it behooves us being adopted into um, a Jewish heritage because even the Bible says that actually real Jews are those who actually accept and believe in Christ. So everybody's adopted into this this heritage. God didn't, like, set all this up for nothing. It's just our perspectives come from our ways, and the Bible says our ways are not his ways. I mean, you got to look at it. The Bible and the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, you know, was was written from right to left, you know, but we write in the opposite manner in which the Jewish people write or the way God writes. We do our days opposite. We do most things. We keep time opposite. We do everything opposite of God, but yet we, we wonder why it's sometimes hard for us to understand and decipher what's going on because our context and the way 
we come to God is not quite the same manner in which he's laid the patterns out, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and we have a caller. Hold on one second. Caller from 937, is this DA? This is DA. How are you? Hi, my brother. How are you? Thank you so much for calling in. You're on the line with Cy Brown and Dewan Coleon on LifeRemixedRadio.com. Do you have a question, a comment? You going to drop some wisdom on us, my brother? Well, yeah, I, I just had a comment. I kind of tuned in a, a little late, so I didn't get the whole gist of the conversation. I kind of picked up with the explanation about Passover in the days. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, I, I tend to agree um, with most of what the you know the uh, the teacher is saying, mm-hmm. um, but one one thing that I that I'd like to point out is that we we have a tendency in in the Western world to approach the scriptures from a Western point of view, and I think this is what he was alluding to. Mm-hmm. Um, in doing so, most of Western Christianity is unbiblical. Um, he made what? reference to yeah, most of Western Christianity is unbiblical. Um, it, it, it has a lot of tradition, and it has a lot of, um, let's say, European thought that came out of the Roman uh, concept. Um, the scriptures were written from a Hebraic point of view. And, you know, there, there is the continual mention about looking at things from the Jewish perspective, which we can't even really do that because most, most of Judaism is corrupted also. Um, the Jewish people were one-twelfth of the tribes of Israel. Um, you know, if we go back into the Old Testament, we'll actually see there were 12 tribes of Israel. Um, ten were dispersed and left two. Uh, the Jewish people were one, or the tribe of Judah, that was one tribe. Um, and so when we start talking about the Abrahamic covenant, um, Abraham wasn't a Jew, he was a Hebrew. Um, now, would, would the teacher like to comment on this at all? Oh, no. Um, I would agree first. I guess your first point is that a lot, a reason why we do this Bible study, Life Remix, Ecclesia Bible Study, is that a lot of the church traditions that have been pushed upon us are incorrect because they come from a Western mindset. They come from a Roman Catholic feudal manner system, a right. hierarchy system that's been instituted into the scriptures, just like Sida Brown was reading from one translation that didn't even have a verse in it then you go to another translation king james it might not even have passover in it it may have so there's a lot of different uh, nuances or things that you have to decipher through as far as um i guess frame of reference i'm using as far as to be able to properly interpret the scriptures from a hebrew perspective it really just requires that you look at the scriptures and then go Look at try and find historical references because, like you said, some there are some things that the Jews do from a Talmud perspective or for right. uh, or a traditional perspective that may not be biblical or may not even really apply to us. But right. the context of these uh, feasts, like we're talking about today, Passover, you can get most of it from the Bible and then go do some historical research. And, and, and get a really good idea of what's going on. As far as the last point about Abraham not being, quote-unquote, Jewish, that's correct, because he was uh, a Hebrew. He was right. who God made the uh, original uh, covenant with. But, you know, right. you know, church people love to run back and pull that particular <laughs> uh, covenant out and want to run to that, but then 
don't even really understand how a lot of those, even that covenant has been replaced by a new and better one in Hebrews chapter 8. So the Western uh, Christianity is very convoluted and full of landmines because it doesn't really follow any uh, sound doctrinal principles. It doesn't, I mean, for instance, I know it's the end of the show and it it goes in another way. I actually extended it just... Like, I extended the show 30 minutes. I can't use the whole 30 minutes because I actually have a meeting this afternoon, but it's okay if we go past 1 o'clock to make sure our points are completely expressed. Okay. Okay. That'd be great. So, I mean, a a classic example is how Western culture will pull from the Old Testament and say we're supposed to tithe. When when you look at tithing, it, it wasn't even instituted by God, per se. Abraham decided to do it, and he... But it, God didn't make him do it, so you can't really pull it from him. But when they, when tithing was, quote unquote, instituted, we don't even do it biblically sound. When you look at, you go back and look at Leviticus and Deuteronomy, where it talks about tithing, it specifically said tithing was a seven-year cycle, where every seventh year nobody gave tithes whatsoever, and then the third and the sixth year. The tithes would go to widows and orphans and the poor, and they would come and be able to get what they need. But yet, it, it was a tax. Excuse me. Tithing was a tax. Right. So it was their form of taxation. Yeah, tithing was a form of taxation. That's how the priesthood was supported. Um, you know, back in in the uh, you know during the wilderness days, during the Davidic kingdom. You know, all of that. The, the, the whole tithing thing has been lifted up out of context. Um, we tend, and, and not to cut the teacher off, but we, we tend to try to make the Bible literal. Uh, the Bible is a highly symbolic book. Um, and when we, when we over-literalize the scripture as, that, that's our Western thinking. You know, we, we, we try to make it fit preconceived ideas. And, and, and we just kind of end up in a, in, in a whirlpool of mess. To, I mean, to make it, you know, to keep it clean. Um, you, you know, the, the simplest approach that I use to Scripture is understanding that, I mean, God is God. I mean, that's, that's about how that goes. Um, and I, I can't force a belief, a belief system, a religious system onto someone else, even so far as to saying if they don't agree with me, they're going to hell. Um, a, a, very, a very simple approach is, if, if the scriptures are true in any sense and the scripture brings out the fact that Christ died for all, uh, teacher, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I agree with that. The only thing I, I would di- disagree with is that um, each, you got to look at each, that's why the Bible says you got to study to show yourself approved. You got to look at each. Example in Scripture, and and you will be able to determine, led by the Holy Spirit, whether this is literal or this a symbol of something literal. Like say, for instance, when God says, "Thou shalt not kill," that's literal. Don't kill. Then he, but then he may give a parable about the kingdom of heaven is like a seed sowing, uh, a sower sowing seed. Well, that's not literal, but Mm -hmm. it, it represents something that is literal because he comes back and translates. The sea as the word of God, which is the literal translation of something symbolic. So you got to right. be able to each instance. You got to be able to study. That's why I said study, show yourself, approve. 
you got to be able to look at each instance and and determine not just one scripture by itself on an island. Right. You got to put it in context with chapters and cross well, references. The con- the, yeah, the context of scripture are the entire scriptures. Correct. Not the chapter, but the entire scriptures. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm 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 gonna raise one other point, then I'm gonna go. But call it, I, uh, or, or or the teacher. I would love to bring you on my show and do an hour of conversation on this. Um, I, I, I would oh, love. That's to. right. That's right. I, I, I would love. I, I would love. I would love to do that. But let me oh. say this: if you if you take ten people, all of them are quote unquote saved. All of them are born again. You got ten people in the room. They're reading one scripture. Okay, if they come up. With ten different interpretations, is the implication that nine of them are wrong and one is right? And they all say that they're being led by the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a yes-no question. Ultimately, there's only, I'm going to say, because, you know, I come into this uh, situation all the time, they could all possibly be right, or one could possibly be right and nine could be wrong. The pro- the way you determine that is, if they're talking about one one particular story, one particular instance, the the pro- the truth will be proven as you bring more scriptures in and more references in, and then it begins to fine tune what actually is truth or not. Just like when we talk about tithing, you got all these different people that say tithing, but if I bring in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and put it in context and and put everything around it and go to the New Testament and and bring the references there, then you begin to see a clearer, bigger picture, and it doesn't contradict itself at all, and then you see who the truth is. So you just have to continue to expand the reach, the scope of of the conversation, because like you said, which is true, the scriptures in their entirety prove and support themselves. It's just, unfortunately, a lot of times most people don't know enough of them to even support their argument. So it looks like you have all these divergent opinions. Okay, so would the answer be no? I mean, no, I understood your explanation, but would the answer to my question be it wouldn't imply that one person is right and the other nine are wrong? Because uh, they come up with ten different views. Possibly. It depends on what we're talking about. We're talking about scriptures. Oh, the scriptures? I, 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 mean, and, yeah, I mean, in other words, I mean, because there are masses of... Well, first of all, let me preface this by saying I, I, I do believe in the word. I do believe the word. I better preface that because a lot of people may think. Yeah, you know. Now, my my thing is I do not, through my study, through years of study, years of research, not just in Christianity but other faith uh, 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 systems as well, I have really come to the conclusion that most of what is put out as Christianity has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. Mm. Absolutely nothing. I'll give you a, quick, a case in point, and then I'm gone. This Sunday, folks all over the world will be celebrating Easter, the resurrection of Christ, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, if we were to turn around and ask them how many people actually believe that when Jesus was resurrected, they were resurrected along with him to walk in the newness of life now, how many of them would actually believe that many of them would simply absolutely deny it because they don't believe the reality of the scripture, which must be understood in a symbolic, metaphorical aspect. If you miss that, you've missed the entirety of the scriptures. 
and you rely upon your rules, your regulations, and your traditions to claim your salvation, and then you'll fuss and argue with everybody who doesn't agree. I'm not saying you, teacher. I'm saying as a general rule, and then everyone who doesn't line up with your belief system, you can sign them to hell. fact of the matter is Jesus died for all. Mm-hmm. That's a blanket statement. But we don't believe that either. We believe he died for those of us who choose to believe what the Bible says. But he died for all. If he died for all and he rose for all, that leaves us one question. Does his salvation cover humanity? If it doesn't, then the Bible's not true. If it does, then we have to adjust our thinking. That's just my that's oh, just my God. opinion. That's, that's just my opinion. But but it was good speaking with you all. I'm gonna jump back in the chat room and, and if you would, if you could put the teacher's contact information in the room, I'll grab it because I definitely want to bring them on my show. And, and continue Absolutely. this conversation. Hey, All D, right. What's, D, what's the um? What's the one to put in the chat room? Uh, you can just give me that Coleon, or uh, no, you give me the the one C Smith at Yahoo dot com. DJ Okay. DJ Smith at Yahoo dot com. Yes. All right. I I see it. Okay, amen. All right, thank you, uh, DA, for for calling into today's show. I appreciate it, brother. Okay, no problem. Y'all have a blessed weekend. All right. D, you know why I laugh when he said he has to have you on on his show. You ain't escaping, buddy. Oh, no, no, we we good. The Lord is just yanking you. (laughs) The Lord ain't letting you go anywhere, buddy. But anyway, um, uh, let's get back to uh, winding down our Bible study. I did extend the show, uh, but I can't go all the way until uh, 1.30. Oh, that's good because I got I to gotta take another meeting yeah, here in a minute, go. too. My phone's been blowing I, up. So I just I wanted go. to extend it so that way we can, you know, bring the show to a proper close and not shut it off abruptly at 1. So I guess to sum up, the most important thing is is that you should be able to see Christ in the Passover more than Easter, Easter eggs, rabbits. That's the most important thing, that Christ is was a fulfillment of the Passover feast. He is symbolic of the Passover lamb being shed, the blood being put on the doorpost to take a people from slavery to freedom, because that's what he did in Christ. He took us from bondage of slavery of sin to freedom. So that is what the point of the whole study is. You don't get that type of correlation by trying to fit it in the box of Easter, but if you're going to try to accurately understand what happened this week, then the best way to see that is in the context of Passover. Well, amen to that. I get it. Amen to that. Um, Anybody have any final thoughts for Dewan before we get ready to wind down today's call, today's show? No? All right, D. Uh, oh, let me just say a couple things. Everybody, please visit Dewan's blog. It is, hold on one second, I'm going to put it in the um, in the chat room. It's uh, www.ekkleffiatl.blogspot.com. It's ecclesiaatl.blogspot.com. You have his email address. It's Dewan, D-J-U-A-N-C-Smith at yahoo.com. 
Uh, anything else, Dee, before I say, you know, give our closing prayer? Oh, no. We're good. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You know what tomorrow is. Welcome to the weekend. I've got some great, great music. Uh, I'm waiting for confirmation from one of my guests, so hopefully we'll have a really good guest tomorrow, but you know how celebrities do. Um, <laughs> uh, and on that note, please remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you all for listening to today's Bible study. Please download this show um, because I want you to be able to refer back to it when, when your spirit leads you to. I love you all, and I'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. It's your girl, Cy Brown and Dewan Colion for this weekly Ecclesia Bible study, Christ in this Passover. And I'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon. Peace. Thanks, Dee.